You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 119, and we'll begin reading in verse number 65. Psalm 119 and verse 65. And when you find your place there, if you're able, if you could please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And if we could, let's read verses 65 through verse number 72 together. Psalm 119, beginning in verse number 65, and we'll read down to verse number 72. Ready, begin. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Amen, and thank you. You may be seated. Uh, Keep your Bibles there. We're going to finish this portion. We started uh, last Sunday night uh, on this portion of Psalm 119. Uh, Before we get into the message, I just want to give you a few updates. And of course, uh, I told the men at men's prayer tonight, we've got a lot of folks to pray for. And I want to thank you for praying for Miss Norma Tott. Her surgery went well this morning. Uh, she'll be in the hospital and then she'll go to rehab. Uh, be in prayer for Miss Effie Pearson. Uh, she, I got a, a message from uh, Miss Francis this afternoon, right about lunchtime. They had to take her back to Chapel Hill. And so I hope you pray for uh, Miss Effie uh, that uh, God would touch her and give the doctor's wisdom. Uh, Miss uh, Mary Edwards has been in the hospital and she's going back to. Uh, Scotland Neck, pray for her if you would. They're going to send her back with uh, comfort and hospice care and uh, pray that God will touch her. Ronnie Powell, uh, he's in rehab down in Rocky Mount. Pray for him. Uh, Brother Haskins, Donald Haskins is in the hospital. Be in prayer for him. Um, Miss Leona Bethany, her surgery went well Friday, so thank you for praying for her. And then uh, Brother Dan mentioned it this morning in Sunday school and I think in the early service, but our missionary... Uh, Brother Paul Deku in the Fiji Islands. He is in ICU and he has been on a ventilator and they were even trying something else because that was not helping. And I hope you pray for God to touch him and raise him up. And then uh, the last uh, request, I'd ask you to pray for Miss Dale Allen and uh, her family with the passing of her dad. Pray God will give them grace and strength. Uh, There's going to be a graveside service Wednesday afternoon at two o'clock over at the family cemetery right over by uh, the uh, community uh, drive in there the diner I hope you'll be in prayer for their family and let's go to the Lord in prayer Lord we love you we pray for these requests I pray that you'd meet these needs give healing strength uh, wisdom to doctors I pray give comfort to those who've lost loved ones and I thank you for our church I thank you that we have a church that loves one another and cares for one another and prays for one another and I pray that you would minister to these dear folks even tonight. I pray you touch them and strengthen them. Lord, I thank you for our radio ministry. I thank you for our online services. 
And Lord, uh, we're thankful that people can watch in other places, but I'm especially grateful for all of our shut-ins that can listen to every service on the radio. I'm thankful for our shut-ins that can watch and can be a part of these services, even in a time when they're physically not able to be here. And I thank you for that technology. May we never take that for granted. May we always be grateful and thankful for the miracles that you have done in this church. And may you continue to work in us and through us. And may we be very quick to give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Notice with me, if you would, verse number 69 is where we'll pick up. We uh, covered last week, number one, David's testimony, and it's found in verse number 65. David said, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Is there anybody else here tonight that you say, God has dealt well with me? God's been good to me. Hallelujah. I hope your hand's up. And uh, if it's not, it's uh, not because God has not been good. It's because we have failed to realize it and we have failed to recognize it. Secondly, we saw in verse number 66, David's desire for teaching. He said, Lord, I, I'd ask you that you would teach me good judgment. And then remember, Solomon, his son, many years later prayed and said, Lord, would you give me wisdom that I may judge this, thy so great a people? And maybe it was David's prayer request that influenced Solomon's prayer request that ultimately gave Solomon the wisdom that he needed to be the king and to be the wisest man that ever lived. Then we saw the trials, verse 67. David said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Basically, David said, while things were smooth, that's when I got away from God. And so praise God for the trial. Praise God for the affliction. That's the very thing that brought David back to God. And uh, when trials come, I understand trials are not always uh, because we have sinned or we've gotten away from God. I think the account of Job is a good illustration of that. Job was not backslid. Job was not hiding his sin. He was not being wicked. Job was right with God. But God sent those trials so that God could be glorified even more in Job's life and in his testimony. And uh, uh, your trials and my trials that we face are no accident. God uh, has a purpose for those trials. And then we saw in verse number 68, uh, thou art good and doest good. And then in verse number 69, uh, excuse me, verse number 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. We saw the turning and David said, I went astray, but now he said, I'm going to make a change. And I'm going to get back to your word and we saw the turning. Let's look number five tonight in verse 69. And the word I'll use for verse 69 is the word tales. T-A-L-E-S. Have you ever heard a tale about somebody? And as you're hearing it, you're thinking, that doesn't sound right. That can't be true. And you were right. It wasn't true. But somebody told it anyway. And by the way, don't be surprised when people tell tales about you. You know why? Because they told tales about Jesus. They lied about Jesus. Why was Jesus crucified? Because they lied about Jesus. Don't be surprised. It says in verse number 69, the proud have forged a lie against me. David said, I have been lied about. That word forge, it's the idea of a blacksmith literally pounding on that piece of metal to get it just right. 
And David said, I feel like I've had people pounding on me and they have pounded a lie against me. He said, it's not even true. It's a lie. But nonetheless, it was spoken against David. The proud have forged a lie against me. In verse number 51, it says, the proud have had me greatly in derision. Verse number 61, the Bible says, the bands of the wicked have robbed me. They had put him in derision. They had robbed him. And now they're trying to smear David with a lie. Do you remember in the book of Genesis, the man Joseph, who God was with him and God blessed Joseph. And Joseph did what was right. And he was in a situation where Potiphar's wife tried to entice him. And Joseph refused and he ran from her and he did what was right. Potiphar's wife lied about him and said, he did this to me, and I'm telling you what, uh, uh, Potiphar, you got to lock this guy up. This guy's a danger. You got to get rid of him. And she lied about Joseph, even though he did what was right. They lied about Moses. They lied and they said, you know, Moses, he's only out here leading the people just because he wants to be big stuff. He just wants to be in charge and they lied about Moses' motives. Can I tell you, that will happen sometimes. People will say, well, the only reason you're serving God is because fill in the blank. Or the only reason that you are doing this, or the only reason you're singing in a choir, or the only reason you're serving in a Sunday school class, or the only reason you're working on a bus ministry, or whatever it may be. They'll lie about you. People will lie about you. Say, why do people lie about you? Well, one reason people will lie is because of pride. The Bible says right here, the proud have forged a lie. People who are proud, they want to put you down to make themselves look better, right? Uh, maybe it works. Somebody will lie about you. You say, well, why? Because they want to make their position look better. They want to make uh, their opportunity better to get into that promotion or whatever. Sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's simply misunderstanding. Sometimes people will hear something and they won't check to see if it's true. Have you ever had somebody say something about you and you thought, I don't even know where in the world that came from? Well, I've had that before. I've had it where I've heard something and I thought, you know, of all the things that you could have made up, I don't know where in the world you got that one from. I mean, I, I, I never even thought about that, let alone said that. But can I tell you, people will lie about you. So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get them back. First chance I get, I'm going to nail them. First chance I get, I'm going to, I'm going to take out my wrath, all that righteous indignation. I'm going to get them back. Well, remember what Jesus did on the cross? He didn't get them back, although he could have gotten them back. But on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You know why people lie? People lie because they don't spend enough time in the truth. And they don't spend enough time with Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. But they're influenced by the devil. Can I tell you who the devil is? He's a liar. And he is the father of all lies. That's why you've got to surround yourself, like we said this morning, surround yourself with the truth. If you don't, you'll be the one telling the lies. 
And God forbid that anybody would tell a lie about you. And I'll say this, I'd rather somebody tell a lie about me than me be the one to tell a lie about somebody. May God help us to be truthful. And you say, well, I heard it from so-and-so, and they heard it from so-and-so, and I just assumed it must be true. Can I tell you, if you assume something is true because you heard it from, they heard it from, they heard it from, you better talk to the person to find out if it's true rather than assume. You don't want to speak that which is a lie because guess what? Your name will get pinned on that lie. Well, so-and-so is the one that said it, and I don't want anybody quoting me for saying something that was not true. David said, the proud have forged a lie against me. David was not the only one that was lied about. Joseph and Moses, we talked about them. We talked about Jesus. They lied about Jesus. They lied about Stephen and had Stephen stoned to death. But can I tell you, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Jesus said it like this, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. If you have been lied about, you're in good company. And you're not the first one that's been lied about, and you won't be the last one that's been lied about. Blessed are ye when they say all manner of evil against you falsely. Don't let it be true. Make sure that you do what's right, and make sure that when people lie about you, make sure that you maintain your testimony. That's what David did. Verse number 69, the proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. David determined to keep his focus on the word of God. You can't focus on the lies. You can't let the lies that people say, you can't let the gossip, you can't let the criticism, you can't let the negativity be your focus. You've got to get your focus on what God has said, not on what the people are saying. I'll go a step further. You can't worry about what everybody is saying. That'll drive you crazy. I wonder what so-and-so's saying. I wonder what so-and-so's talking about. I wonder, well, guess what? I don't know, and they probably don't even know what they're talking about. But I know this, if you'll get your focus on the Word of God, it'll all be okay, it'll all be fine. David said, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. People may lie about you, but they can't keep you from obeying the word of God. Keep your focus on the word of God. Number six, we see the thrill. Verse number 70, David says about the proud, those who have lied about him, he said, their heart is as fat as grease. Now, that's an interesting statement because in the Bible, this has the idea of, uh, the fat has the idea of pleasures, just doing whatever you want to do and just living it up. But to say that their heart is as fat as grease, that takes it a step further. That, that really describes it on an even more excessive level. That word fat in the Bible often is referred to as, as stupid or, or something that is insensible. And David is saying, these people, these proud people, they are, I don't like to use this word, you know, I, we tell our children not to use this word, but they are so stupid, 
I don't even know what in the world they're talking about. Their heart is as fat as grease, he says. But, he says, I delight in thy law. You see, the heart of the proud is stupid and the heart of the proud is foolish in their own wisdom. And by the way, sometimes we think we're just talking about everybody else. Did you know that could be true of us? Did you know our heart is wicked? And did you know you can get so bent out of shape and you can get uh, your eyes off of the Lord and you could be the one telling a lie and you could be the one that's proud and you could be the one that's foolish and you could be the one that is, is crazy because you get so messed up in your mind? Don't let that be you. But David said, that's the way their heart is. But he says, but I delight in thy law. He said, you know, the wicked and the proud, they delight in their lives. They delight in their pleasures. They delight in just doing their own thing and being everything against God. But David said, my delight is in thy law. Well, I hope that we don't just say that, but I hope we believe it. I hope we live like this book is our delight. I hope it's a joy for you when you get up in the morning. I hope it's a joy for you to open up the pages of Scripture and say, I wonder what the Lord has for me today. And you say, well, I'm just going through my Bible reading schedule, so it's already predetermined. Yeah, but here's what's so great. God knows what you're going to read in the morning, and God knows what you need for tomorrow, and the Holy Spirit can point it out and speak to you and say, this is something that I've got for you today. This book is a living book. It is a powerful book, and it ought to be our delight. Then number seven, notice verse 71. David says, it is, a, it is good. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Well, I had to read that one again. I didn't think affliction was a good thing. I thought it was a bad thing. I don't like it. I'm not signing up for it, you know? Uh, whenever they pass that sign-up sheet around the church, I'm not putting my name on that one saying, yeah, sign me up for some of that good old-fashioned affliction. I'd like a double dose. No. But David said it's a good, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Number seven, the word is thankful. It is good. It is good that I have been afflicted because sometimes it is the affliction that causes us to praise. Sometimes it is the affliction that causes us to thank. Have you ever had something go wrong? And you say, first of all, I'm just thankful for all the days this didn't happen. First of all, I'm thankful. Secondly, I'm thankful that it wasn't worse than what it was because it could have been a whole lot worse. Uh, you, maybe you have a flat tire. I tell you, uh, my mom is in the uh, pastor's pals tonight, but our church staff, I think in about, Three months' time, I think we had about 12 flat tires. And we weren't sure. We were looking on the cameras to see if any church members were coming and slashing them. No, no, no. It was, it was always, it was a nail or a screw or a bolt or something. And I'm telling you, I don't like flat tires. But you know, I was always thankful whenever there'd be a flat tire in my driveway or in the parking lot, as opposed to the side of Interstate 95, Oh, or you say, well, I've had a, a flat tire on the side of Interstate 95. Well, praise God, you didn't have a blowout. Praise God, you didn't have a wreck. And sometimes it's the affliction that causes us to praise or causes us to thank or causes us to realize how good God has been. It's the affliction that causes us to draw near. 
It is the affliction sometimes that causes us to wait on the Lord and trust the Lord as we sang tonight, trust and obey. We see in Psalm 119, notice verse number 50. This is my comfort in my affliction. Aren't you glad that God's word gives us comfort even in our affliction? Notice verse number 67. Before I was afflicted, David said, I went astray. We just read verse number 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Notice verse 75. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. When you go through afflictions, God is still faithful and God is still with you. Verse number 92. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. Verse number 107, I am afflicted very much. Quicken me or, or make me alive or revive me, O Lord, according to thy word. And verse number 153, consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. Can I tell you, if you never had an affliction, you'd never know that God could deliver you out of every one. You'd never know that God could rescue you and God could save you and God could bring you out. When we have problems, we often look for help. We, we call someone, we, we read the manual, we Google it. Well, when we have afflictions, when we're discouraged, when we're hurting, when we're struggling, maybe it'd be a good idea to go to the book and say, how can I get encouragement? How can I find help? How can I find relief? How can I find comfort? And I promise you, this book has the answer. David said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. This is a true story. Uh, I try to use true stories when I preach, but I want to clarify because I think you're going to think, no, nah, it's kind of a stretch. I promise you, it's a true story. When my family and I, and my mom's out, but my sister uh, Jennifer is in here tonight and when we were growing up, we would go to Denver, Colorado, about every summer for family vacation. That's where my mom's uh, family lived. Her parents were there and her sisters and her brother, and we had some cousins. And we'd go out there for a week and a half, sometimes two weeks, and we just would spend time there just with family. We'd go down to the, the park and play basketball and play baseball and just have a good time. And um, we'd go out to eat. They had in, in Denver, Colorado. Anybody, well, I know uh, Madeline, you've been to Denver. Anybody else in here been to Denver, Colorado? Brother George, Brother John. Oh, we got some of here, Brother Johnny, Brother Askey, Brother Jake. All right, Brother Watts. Um, but Denver, Colorado, and it's, I don't even think it's open still. But they had this restaurant. It was a Mexican restaurant. And it was multi-levels. And it, was, it had caves in there and waterfalls. And they'd have gunfights go on. And it was really cool. The food wasn't very good, but let me tell you, the entertainment was awesome. And as a child, you'd go in there, and they had skee-ball. Oh, man, we'd play skee-ball. I'll tell you what I did like. Uh, they had this thing, this Mexican entree. I don't know why in the world I'm talking about food right now, because this sounds so good. But they had this Mexican dessert. It was called a sopapilla. Has anybody ever had a sopapilla? Now, they had a flag on the table, and all you had to do was put the flag up, and that meant we'd like some more sopapillas. Well, we kept the flag up because we always needed more sopapillas. And they'd bring you a little pitcher with honey. And you could pour that honey in this, uh, this breaded dessert, really, is what it was. It's, it was delicious. And you pour that honey in there, and boy, you'd have a good time. But we go to, I, don't, I still don't know why I'm telling you about that. 
But we go to Colorado. Oh, here, here's where we're going. Okay. We went to Colorado, and we'd stay with my grandma, and we'd stay down in the basement. I remember one summer, I don't know what happened. I used to get allergies. I don't know if that's what it was. But I got the worst thing with my eye. I couldn't. It hurt to blink. It hurt to close it. And it's, the, it's getting late, and I'm tr- I need to go to sleep. I can't sleep. My eye hurts so bad. I can't, I can't keep it closed. I can't keep it open. It just hurts. And I, my poor dad, I think he just finally gave up. He said, Jeremy, I don't know what to tell you. And I was probably... I'm guessing I was eight or nine years old at the time. But he said, Jeremy, he said, I tell you what, he said, since you can't go to sleep, and this was before everybody had handheld video games and DVD players and all that. I mean, it was just like, you had to like read a book, right? You remember those days? And uh, I didn't have any books with me, I don't think, on that trip. You know, it was vacation. And so he said, Jeremy, he said, why don't you try to memorize a chapter in the Bible? I have no idea why he said that. I'm glad he did. But would you like to know the chapter that I chose? And this is why I'm telling you it's a true story, because you're not going to believe me otherwise. I chose Ephesians 6. That's what we're covering on Sunday mornings, the armor of God. And that night, I don't know how long it took me. It probably was a couple hours. But I memorized the entire chapter of Ephesians 6. And you know, first of all, that wasn't on my to-do list for that night. You know, my to-do list was to go to sleep. So I'd be ready for vacation and basketball and baseball the next day. But here's what happened for me. I was afflicted. I had something in my eye that was killing me. It couldn't go to sleep. And so because of that affliction, it was actually good for me because you know what I did? I learned the Bible. I memorized the Bible. Now, I don't know how that applies to your life, but maybe there's a situation you're going through right now. And you're like, you know what? I just, I can't find the answers. And I've scrolled through Facebook and nobody on Facebook knows what to tell me. And I've called all my friends, and it, well, it's the middle of the night, and they're not answering their phones. They've, they've got me blocked, you know, or their phone's on silent. But could I tell you, here's a novel idea. You could spend some time in the Bible. You could memorize a portion of Scripture. You could memorize some verses. And guess what? Those verses will help you for the rest of your life. David said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Notice lastly, verse 72, we see David says, the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Number eight, the word is treasure. Now, I could say this book, and by the way, thousands, it doesn't say thousands of dollars, right? It says thousands of gold and silver. So let's just say we're talking millions of dollars. I think that would be fair. I don't know exactly how much David was referring to, but let's just say millions. How many of you think King David had the, uh, the uh, equivalent of millions of dollars worth as the king of Israel? I think he did. It was at his disposal. Here's what David said. He said, I'd rather have this book I'd rather have the Word of God and what he had at the time was the Old Testament law. He said, I'd rather have this than millions of dollars. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I would rather have this book than millions of dollars. That's easy for me to say because I don't have millions of dollars. And neither do you, right? It's easy for me to say, oh, I'd give it all up if I had it just for the Bible. Well, guess what? 
David did have it. And he knew the value. And he knew the worth. And he knew what you could do with millions and millions of dollars. And David said, I've got both. And as I'm comparing both, I don't know if he was looking at his treasury at the time that he wrote this, but he said, I've got all that there. I've got all that money, all the gold and all the silver. I've got thousands. I don't know if it's thousands of pieces or thousands of bags. I don't know what it was, but I've got thousands of it. It's too much to count. But he said, if I had to choose, I'd let him haul all of that away right now just so that I could have this right here. And I tell you, that's what you have. That's what I have. Let's not treat it like it's the Reader's Digest. Let's not treat it like it's the USA Today. Let's not treat it like it's some other book, you know, some other self-help book. Let's treat it like the treasure that it is. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.